This is the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. Hello, and welcome back to the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. I'm your host, Joe Redding, the Director of Sales and Business Development here at Production Systems Automation, and I'm joined by my partner, Marty Wolf. You can find more information about PSA at www.psasystems.com. Good morning, Marty Wolf. How are you doing today? Hey, Joe Redding, PSA. Uh, great to see you again. Another exciting Absolutely. podcast, man. It is. It's a fantastic Monday morning. And uh, today we're going to be discussing the business and technology behind the ARM Institute, which is located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I don't know, Marty, you may be thinking, what is the ARM Institute? Well, the ARM stands for the Advanced, uh, Advanced Robotics for Manufacturing, and it was established to accelerate the development and adoption of innovative robotic technologies that are the foundation of every advanced manufacturing activity today and into the future. And we'll be discussing just how this all comes together in today's podcast. So you can learn more about the ARM Institute by visiting their website at www.arminstitute.org. So, Marty, you ready to get into this? Go. Let's go. Introduce our guest. All right, excellent. Yeah, today we're uh, joined by uh, Matt Rosenberg. Berger. Uh, he is with the ARM Institute. And uh, Matt was recently promoted to program manager at the ARM Institute, where his primary duties are to build and manage client relationships for the ARM's robotic manufacturing hub, known as RMH, as well as de-risking center as part of the Build Back Better grant. So a lot of great things happening there at the ARM. So uh, we'll get into this with Matt. Matt, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How are you doing, gentlemen? Fantastic. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and thanks for joining us today. It's going to be a really good discussion. Uh, looking to learn more about yourself and about the ARM. So uh, that being said, you know, you've been at the ARM right around three years now, a little bit over three years. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and how your career path landed you at the ARM. Yes. Thanks, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here today. So a little bit about my background. I'm a tech nerd by by uh, just my background. As a kid, big into Star Wars. I was actually just talking to my dad yesterday about how we owned a Laserdisc machine. If you remember that, it was around the same time as the VHS. It was those big discs that you put in the machine and the movie came on yeah. like magic. Yeah. And so... Um, so yeah, Star Wars was one of the first movies that I watched when I was a kid. But um, yeah, my career path was interesting. I am no roboticist by trade. Let me just talk, t tell you that right off the bat here. But um, I, I went to school at IUP for business marketing. And then out of school, I got a job at Verizon. And I was there for nine years. And so I think there I really grew my passion for technology and, uh, and how things get connected. And um, so that led me to... Um, pretty significant career change in 2020, right around the time of the pandemic. And I joined the Advanced Robotics for Manufacturing Institute as the membership lead. And so here we are, um, three years later, we've grown our membership and we'll talk, I'm sure talk about the ecosystem, but we've grown the membership. And now I've been fortunate enough to be uh, called upon to help manage this Build Back Better grant for the Pittsburgh region. So, Yeah, that's, that's great. So in that Build Back 
better, right? And then also for the Pittsburgh region and how the arm is instr instrumental in bringing this advanced robotics manufacturing and, and the technologies to bear there at the, at the center. Um, can you give us just a little idea, like what is the main purpose, you know, of the arm Institute and how it relates to that build back better program or just the community in which you service out there in Western Pennsylvania? Yeah, I'd love to demystify the Institute because there's many in our backyard that don't really know what exactly do we do. Do we make things? No, but our members do. We're, we're a consortium. So to tell you a little bit about the history, we were kicked off in 2017, but what we're part of goes back a little further in time. And right around 2010, there was an initiative to start what's called a, a collaboration called the Manufacturing Innovation Institutes. Um, so... Now there are 16 institutes across the U.S., all with different scopes and focuses. But in 2017, we were called upon to start a robotics and automation institute. And so we were spun out of Carnegie Mellon University, as we all know, worldwide known for robotics. And uh, we were initially seeded by the Department of Defense with $80 million. And the task was to build an ecosystem of partners. And this ecosystem includes manufacturers, startup companies that are niche in certain areas of technology like AI and sensors and vision, um, manufacturers in specific industries like textiles, automotive, uh, aerospace. And then you've got education, universities, trade schools, which I hope we get a chance to talk about the workforce side of things later because mm -hmm. that's critical in this whole, um, the whole fitting of advanced technology and how it rolls out. But um, but yeah, we're, so we've been conducted project calls for the last seven years. And so we've got a portfolio of 150 projects that we've funded and our members participate in those projects and typically they team together. So a normal team might be uh, a large manufacturer, a startup company and a university, and they'll put a proposal in for the problem statement that we'll publish. Uh, and that's what we do. We publish problem statements that are relevant to the ecosystem and, uh, automation, AI, and robotics, and those teams come together and they provide solutions for them. So that's what we've been doing for the last six or seven years. And as you said, most recently, we've taken upon this Build Back Better situation with the Robotics Manufacturing Hub. And so the story behind that is the Pittsburgh region won $63 million as part of this Build Back Better regional challenge. And there's five projects. We're the lead on one of those projects, and that is the Robotics Manufacturing Hub. And so um, I think you mentioned it. Uh, the, the purpose of the Robotics Manufacturing Hub is to help de-risk technology for local, medium, small manufacturers so that they can help adopt the technology and use it in their factories. Right. Um, the other half of that Build Back Better grant is we're in charge of managing four maker spaces, um, or what we're calling innovation accelerators around the region. And um, the institutions that are housing those maker spaces, IUP, CCAC, uh, Westmoreland County Community College, and um, Penn State New Kent Digital Foundry. And so we're working closely with them to help uh, drive the innovation, entrepreneurship, so that eventually, once they start kicking off, maybe they lead to the robotics manufacturing hub for us to help de-risk whatever they're getting into. So that's, that's the project. Yeah. Yeah. You have a really interesting, what you call ecosystem, you know, of partners in your network. And, and I first became familiar with it when I was, uh, 
still at ABB Robotics and and uh, certainly Western Pennsylvania was one of the regions I covered and I had some other partners out there as well. We call our partners systems integrators. So so you do a real nice collaboration out there in your ecosystem, you know, with with integrators in the robotics sector or AI, vision sensors, all that stuff, as well as the, the colleges. But re- what really led to you using that approach rather than just having, you know, competent individuals in-house to kind of guide those companies that you're working with from the manufacturing side, just do that in-house versus this ecosystem? Sure. So the ecosystem model uh, initially was adopted by the government as part of the Manufacturing USA Institute models. Uh, what we've come to find out over the years is that the Department of Defense and our government partners really covet this model because we're able to bring together unique organizations that otherwise weren't able to ever connect and work on these really challenging problems that are out there and providing innovative solutions. And so. The value of of the Institute really has become the partner ecosystem and bringing together unique organizations that, as I said, really maybe not have worked together previously. And so we're a connector, we're a catalyst that helps drive that innovation through those project calls, uh, through workforce development uh, and, and training and things like that. Yeah, so PSA is just we're, we're so happy to be a, a member of this ecosystem, and and I and I would expect you know others to feel the same way, and and I think what drove us to to have an interest in joining uh, the Arm Institute was just what you're talking about these project calls and having the ability to get insight on some of the needs you know with the in the uh, business community out there in Western Pennsylvania, and it, I mean is that the main reason why? Uh, companies like a, a, a PSA or a robot OEM manufacturer, is that the reason that why they're joining, you know, the, the ARM Institute in, in that ecosystem? Well, you know, Joe, I think companies join and, and universities join for different reasons, maybe to start with. But, you know, one of the things we do is we survey our memberships every year. Why do you continue to be a member of the Institute? And so, the responses that we get back quite frequently, number one is what you mentioned, project calls. That's that's the coveted thing that uh, members want to participate in is funded project calls because they're part of that innovation, right? Um, other things that the consortium has identified as value adds for them are our repository of knowledge. So we call it consortium developed IP, CDIP. That's intellectual property that has been generated as a result of ARM being the funding mechanism and sort of how that works is uh, the project team members who worked on that project own that IP. It's shareable across the Institute. If you're a member of the Institute for research, uh, you know, digestion, consumption, but if you plan on commercializing that technology or want to commercialize it as stated in our membership agreement, we would expect some sort of licensing agreement to go into place with the project team members that worked on that project. Um, so there's some value there with the, IP, the CDIP, with the project calls. And then one of the popular reasons why people come to us is because we're this cool ecosystem of innovators that people get to network and make commercial partnerships and relationships in. And we're very happy and proud of that aspect as well. Yeah. Hey, talk about cool factor. Uh, coming out to visit the facility, right? That, that building, that structure is super cool. Why don't you just get a little insight as to uh, that building and the history behind it. And then even if today with 
you know, the solar panels on the roof. I mean, it's quite, quite extraordinary. So yeah, just a little bit of background yeah. about that building, if you could. Yeah, Joe, I'm so glad you brought that up there. And it was really great having you guys down at the headquarters there um, about a month back. But so, yeah, the, the facility itself, I'll give you the full history of it. So it was originally built in 1942 as a munitions plant for World War II. And um, the reason they chose the location uh, in Hazelwood there is it's between two mountains on a river. And so it was very accessible for transportation. It was also hidden so that, uh, you know, couldn't be attacked by any enemies or at least harder, harder to attack. Interesting to think what they think about back then. Um, but after the war, it was commissioned into a steel production plant. And so um, it was doing that for many years. And it transitioned to, uh, later on in the 70s, 80s into coke oven brick storage and then eventually decommissioned in the late 1990s, and the building sat vacant for 20 years, roughly, and it was kind of decrepit and falling apart. And so uh, a couple organizations came together to fund and revitalize this this uh, Brownfield site. And so it was the R.K. Mellon Foundation, the Benedim Foundation, and the Heinz Foundation. And so they had this vision of revitalizing this old steel mill into this massive new technology center. And at some point in time, the idea of putting the building inside of a building came into play. And that, so essentially what it is, and you said the solar shed, so it has the longest sloped solar array panel on any building in North America, yeah. which is pretty wild pretty cool. right, right here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so the building is fully sustainable. It generates enough power for itself and it feeds back into the grid. It has the highest standards of the lead gold standard in terms of um, environmentally sound. So just very cool. And then that is also the site where we're, where we're um, housing our manufacturing hub as well. So we have robotics systems in there. That's where the de-risking is going to happen. But yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of history with that site. And there's more stuff coming in Hazelwood Green. Um, two big buildings or two big ventures that I would call out. One is Carnegie Mellon University's new Robotics Institute is going right by oh, us wow. in Hazelwood. And then also the University of Pittsburgh teamed up with the RK Mellon Foundation for, I think it's called BioForge. And so it's a biotechnology research mm -hmm. center. And that's happening right in our facility as well. So a lot of action happening in that area of Pittsburgh. We're very proud to be part of yeah. that. Yeah, it's a great campus and uh, the architecture is pretty cool and reusing his materials. It's that, that's fantastic. Um, so, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, we've been seeing, obviously, you, you made mention earlier about the pandemic and kind of then how you started then at the arm. Uh, there's been a lot of changes, right? And, and how business is being done and, and everything for supply chain issues and, and uh, workforce. We talk about work, workforce management. Um, what, what kind of changes or challenges, I would say, are you seeing today? Uh, reflected in how you guys do business because I'm sure you're seeing a lot of clients, potential clients coming to you for, for help with, you know, workforce development or looking for how to solve challenges within their manufacturing practices. Yeah, so I'll start with the technical side first. So on the technical side, we're constantly looking to see what the newest challenges and gaps are happening in, in manufacturing. And so we do in addition to our main uh, tech investment strategy, which included five areas, um, I'll see if I can remember all of them here. So one of them is human-robot interaction, um, safety and transition to the factory floor, 
AI and intelligence in robotic systems, um, two other ones. But in addition to those main tech investment strategies, we're also doing ongoing discovery workshops with our members to understand what's happening in their industries and sectors. We've done an AI discovery workshop. We've done a textile discovery workshop because we have worked with companies like Hanes and Levi's brand for robotic sewing. Mm. Um, so we look for those areas of need. Textiles is an interesting uh, story, an interesting industry because it's very legacy. It's one of the very last industries to kind of move into automation. Mm -hmm. One of our program managers, uh, she likes to show a picture of a textile factory in 1920 and then one today. <laughs> and it looks very similar. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, the equipment has gotten a little bit more advanced, but it's still people on a sewing machine guiding stuff. So. We look for those, you know, the three D's, dirty, dull, and dangerous, right? Those those are the things we look for to, to invest in on the technical side. But the real challenge I think that we've identified in the last three years is the workforce side of things. And so we've, it's kind of been exposed after the pandemic, you know, workers were starting to come back, but a lot of them didn't want to take on those really hard jobs, those jobs that are, you know, the three D's, the dirty, dull, and dangerous, the undesirable jobs, the jobs that lead people to disability claims and have them maybe facing lifetime injuries and things like that. So um, what we've done is we've created a national website, national asset, asset called ro uh, roboticscareer.org, www.roboticscareer.org. So on that website is over 17,000 training programs across the U.S. that specifically fall into the automation and robotics category. Um, recently, we've added the job searching function. So not only can you find the training, but once you get the training, you can also find the jobs that are in your area as well. Um, there's been some trends, Joe, that I've kind of paid attention to. One of them is this emergence or shift. And I think we've all observed this with universities, right? They're going through a, a, a different time right now, right? Enrollment has gone down a little bit. People are looking for different career path options. And so We've seen this emergence in an attraction in trade schools, in programs that are quicker and uh, faster to deploy them into the workforce. So I think that is fascinating. I think it's interesting. I think I'm here for that, you know, all day. I think that's a great new way for uh, for people to get educated into manufacturing. Yeah, absolutely. That's I, I think you're right as far as young individuals or even uh, transitioning uh, career paths, educating the those individuals and getting it through much quicker. So I, rather than going to four-year colleges, I see that those trade schools or those community colleges getting more active in automation and advanced technologies, not even just, you know, automation, but advanced technologies so they can enter the workforce much quicker, right? And, and I think that is a, a serious, uh, serious trend. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, companies like yourself that are able to help guide, you know, bring that guidance to bear. I think that's uh, that's a great attribute. Yeah, totally. What do you think, Marty? What's uh, what's going on in your mind? I'm impressed. Uh, I mean, I read about it and I and you, Joe, you and, and Mike have told me about it, but I'm impressed. And I already mentioned to you, Joe, that I, uh, Matt, I'm in Pittsburgh twice a month. So uh, I might uh, reach out to you one of these times and say, hey, look, do you have an hour to give me the quick tour or something like that? Because I'm fascinated in it. I work with PSA and, 
and uh, I'm, I'm in the field, if you will. Um, so I'd love to see the facility. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, it's, it's, it's really superb. I mean, Joe, I really don't want to break your train of thought, so uh, continue on. I do have a couple of questions, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wait till the end if you're okay with that. Oh, I'm okay with it for sure. Um, so uh, I don't know, Matt, do you guys get involved in any trade show events or you go to, I don't know what it could be, like automate and, and do you set up a, a booth and get yourself out there and, and trade show activity? Yeah, absolutely. And so we, we see that as one of the best ways to kind of engage with companies that are in that space. Um, and so we've been very good partners with Automate, A3. Um, they host a lot of different specialty shows throughout the year. They host the big one, um, Automate, every year in Detroit. That, that's one of our big ones that we always mm. attend. Um, but they also host specialty conferences that focus in certain areas. Like recently, we, we attended the Welding and Grinding uh, conference hosted by A3. And a lot of times we look for speaking opportunities so that we can share our mission and, you know, spread the word for what's happening uh, and the resources that we provide as an institute. Um, so yeah, trade shows are big on that. And actually upcoming here in Pittsburgh, we are going to have a uh, trade show that we're participating in. It's hosted by A3. It's the Robo Robotic Safety and AI uh, and Smart Automation Conference. That's in Pittsburgh, October 9th through 11th. Um, certainly, we encourage all your listeners to uh, attend and look into this if they are in Pittsburgh and uh, wanting to attend a really good conference that's going to have a lot of great information on smart manufacturing, industry, Ford Auto, and also the safety side, which I think is hugely important. When we look at new manufacturers adopting that technology, that should be something that they should be looking at while they adopt it, um, not not right. after. <laughs> certainly. Yeah, again, so, and some things there could be Go ahead, Marty. Joe, you may want to get the link for that trade show that's in Pittsburgh and put it in the show notes. I will. Okay. Yeah, we'll yeah. do that okay. for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, with the safety side of it, Matt, it's there can be some misconceptions in automation, robotics in particular, to, to safety with, with the collaborate, right? Collaboration with collaborative robots, you know, that they say, well, it's a collaborative robot. Well, sometimes, you know, the, the actual application may not be collaborative. So understanding what true like, safety is involved in automation is very, very important. And, and yeah, and you can't get that word out enough uh, to have that focus, you know, directed properly uh, for safety. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely share that link because I think, yeah, anybody that's listening to the podcast that would want to get a little more information on that, plus, you know, see some world-class individuals out there. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll share that for sure. Uh, and I think you guys are having some conference coming up too there locally. Is that for the, is that, is that open or is that for the ecosystem partners only? Yeah. So that we are having our annual members meeting that's November 13th, 14th and 15th. Marty, definitely come check us out during that period. Uh, or if you want to come before, like you said, I'd be happy to give you a tour of the facility, but that's those three days we convene our entire ecosystem. It is our cornerstone event, uh, the main event of the year. We have info sharing sessions. We have some really great speakers, including um, last year we had the head of the Manufacturing USA Institutes that runs all of the Mike Molnar. Um, a lot of different leaders in, in uh, industry categories speak there. We talk about our projects that we funded so we can share that knowledge across the ecosystem. 
And this year will be interesting because we are pivoting off of our initial tech investment agreement with the DOD. It was a seven-year agreement, which ends at the end of this year. And we're entering a new agreement with the DOD that's going to provide us certainly more money, but a little bit more flexibility in how we interact with the ecosystem and the way we fund them. So we're very much looking forward to this next phase of the Institute. Oh, great. Fantastic. So uh, does the ARM Institute have any plans to piggyback off of this success and maybe take something very similar to other regions or are you, everybody's fine and sticking with in, in the Pittsburgh region, just in Western PA? Yeah. So the, the membership model, the funding model is national. And so we don't plan on changing that. That will always be available for any organization across the U S that aligns with what we do. Um, now the robotics manufacturing hub that was part of that build back better regional grant Absolutely. We're looking at, and and in the near term, it's about executing mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, right? We want to make sure we do it well here first. And then if this model goes well, we are already looking at what does it look like to roll out something like this in different regions that would benefit from it. And probably we would be very selective with the regions that we would look to uh, install situations like this, regions that would benefit mm-hmm. the most for that type of setup. Um but yeah, that is something that we're considering. But as I said, we, we're really kind of laser focused on let's make sure we execute this in Pittsburgh. You know, we get that traction that we want. We help the local manufacturers and have an impact here before we consider rolling it out uh, nationally. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, we're excited, so yeah. excited to be a part of it and, and looking forward to the future for sure with the arm. Um, so, Marty, listen, I, I, I know you have some questions. I'd like to have you answer those and then uh, we'll do a little success story wrap up and get out of here good sure thanks joe um first of all uh neither one of you are probably old enough to remember when pittsburgh was not pittsburgh uh as it is today uh it is incredible the renaissance the technology you've become a center of technology and everything that's going on there so congratulations to your entire ecosystem government, universities, private industry, et cetera. Congratulations. Um, Two two or three points that I would like to. This whole idea of the innovation accelerator or makerspace, I love thoughts like that. Tell me a little bit more about that. What's that look like? How's it working? That kind of stuff. Sure. Well, so traditionally, I guess, originally the name was makerspace. And some people have different, and actually across the country, makerspaces do different things. Some are very uh, much tinkering spaces. Some are more of an entrepreneurship center to help entrepreneurs scale. Um, The four that we are working with are very different. They're on very different levels. For example, uh, the one at Indiana University of Pennsylvania, at least thus far, has been very art focused. And so we're looking to help augment that with robotics, with automation, and help them maybe look at different sectors of manufacturing and things like that. Um, In a very stark contrast, Penn State New Ken Digital Foundry has a lot of robotics in there. Um, They've got a really great setup. And in fact, if you are a small business or an entrepreneurship that needs resources in that area or in the Pittsburgh area, (laughs) Penn State Digital Foundry would be one of the very first that I'd recommend. Um, You know, as well as utilizing the resources for the robotics manufacturing hub that we have uh, uh, have sponsored with the Build Back Better grant. But, 
yeah, these maker spaces are very interesting, and it's a new space for me, Marty. I've I've done um, in the past six months or so. I've visited all of our maker spaces, but I've also gone to other maker spaces just in the surrounding region. That like, what do you do? You know, what do you have here? And all of them are different experiences, but. Um, yeah, Matt. I, the idea of I think that's an exciting thing to learn about, and it's part of your ecosystem. And so, hey, that was good. That was a great answer. So, run me quickly. I know we want to wrap up soon. Uh, you both talked about the project calls. R- run me through what that is. So, for a mere mortal like me that's not yes. in your world, what's that look like? Yep. Yeah. So, we we look at those five tech investment area strategies. We look at the ongoing discovery from our members to understand the challenges and gaps. And then we start to build a roadmap of what we're going to fund in the coming months, years. And so as that roadmap gets developed, we'll publish, you know, in a normal project call and to give it kind of granular of how that process works is we'll publish a problem statement or several problem statements that our consortium can address uh, via proposals and then they team together. We usually release that to our members first so that they have sort of a strategic advantage in in building a proposal. And then eventually we do release that to the public. So organizations have the chance to join ARM as a new member. Um, and like I said, they come together, bid on the proposal. Money is usually 500K in ARM dollars with a one-to-one cost share match. Mm-hmm. And 12 month in length is typically the projects. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, Joe. Thanks, buddy. Now, Thanks uh, for allowing so me. Let's, okay. So let's uh, – just for my own edification, because, you know, we're, we're somewhat new to the arm. Now, I, I've been involved or at least uh, listened into some project calls, but I've also been in, in, involved in listening into and now actually helping. We're going to be proposing actual projects with end users, right, for the Build Back Better program. Are they one and the same? Are they different? Uh, how, am, am I misunderstanding this or thinking correctly on it? Well, the you mean the end users? Are they the one that's getting the help? Yes. Yes. So, like you have well, a manufacturing, you have a manufacturer there in Western Pennsylvania that that is, you know, having either workforce issues or or they need help, you know, making their production more efficient. They come to you for help, right? And then and then yes. is that different from a project call? Uh, it is in the sense that uh, it's a whole different process. So. With the Build Back Better side of things, we are doing site visits. We're doing consulting and analysis of automation, how it would benefit their manufacturing site. Um, you know, and typically we're calling out maybe three areas, right? And then we'll pass that along to our integrator partners and say, "Hey, like, can you come up with some creative, right. or not creative, but some good solutions for this particular issue?" And so that's sort of how that flow okay. works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then the project call would be something that's a little more general. Like, say, I would think if you go back to the textile, we had those conversations, right? Like, here's a problem state in textile. How do you robotically sew jeans? And how would you go about doing that, right? And then everybody kind of, like, put some thought into that, right? Yeah, and typically the project calls are a little bit more higher risk, a little bit more riskier, right? Gotcha. So, Matt, the – I don't know how to phrase it. your ideal member, or is there such a thing as an ideal member, or would you welcome anybody that's listening to this to, to go on your website and, and learn more? Tell me more about what you would like to see. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. We're, we're looking to grow the ecosystem with interested partners that align with our vision and mission, which is, you know, as Joe said at the top of the top of the uh, call here, advancing and accelerating the adoption of automation and robotics in the manufacturing setting. Um, if you have an interest in that, we're interested in talking to Got you. It. Um, you know, the strength of us is our diversity in our ecosystem. So all are welcome, you know, and we'll, we'll certainly discuss that. Joe, we don't want to forget the success story. Maybe he's already told no. us a few. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there's uh, if there's one you new, know, more a, a poignant success story that you've had um, that you can think of, why don't you share one with us? And that's kind of how I like to wrap sure. up the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I think there, there's a theme of success stories that I've seen across our ecosystem, and a lot of it has to do with startup companies, small companies that get pulled in or engaged through a project call. And then all of a sudden, that project call gives them the momentum to build into something bigger. And so we've seen that, I think, with two organizations that I really have, I uh, think, are great examples. One is a um, project that a company called Gray Matter Robotics has worked on. And after the project, they received over $20 million in venture capital funds after that. So wow. that was great to see. And then also a company called Aris Technology. They did a project with Stellantis, which is now Fiat mm -hmm. Chrysler, yeah. uh, or Fiat Chrysler is now Stellantis. And um, uh, that project got adopted in the commercial setting, in, in Stellantis's automotive manufacturing setting. So that helped that small startup accelerate and move into big commercial business. So th those are themes that I see quite yeah. often across the ecosystem. Yeah, now, yeah, now Joe, that's a success story right there. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, yes, that came through big time. <laughs> multiple, multiple fronts there, right? For end users, uh, startups, and then also for the arm. Absolutely. That's great. Well, listen, let's wrap this up. Uh, Matt, it's been fantastic. Why don't you give us uh, the website again, how people can get a hold of the Arm Institute? And, and if they're, if you want to share how they can get a hold of you directly, that'd be great too. Yep. Yeah, so the website, www.arminstitute.org. Uh, also, remember the, the uh, workforce asset, www.roboticscareer.org. Uh, to get in touch with me, membership at arminstitute.org. And like I said, I will share all the information with you. Happy to do site visits if you're interested in checking out Mill 19. Uh, Marty, I can't wait for you to come down and see us. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This has been a lot so of fun. So informative. So informative. Yeah. So helpful. Uh, Congratulations on the great things that are happening in your institute and, and greater Pittsburgh area. Every time I go down there, I see something new. I, I talk to people that are exciting about the whole region. And uh, let's say a prayer for the Pittsburgh Steelers. See what happens. It's going to be a good year. Yeah. A good year. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Matt. Marty, thank you. Thank you for listening to the PSA BizTech Podcast. The PSA BizTech Podcast is a production of Production Systems Automation. More information on this podcast and PSA can be found at PSASystems.com. That's PSASystems.com. <laughs>